says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to an instant reaction edition of the tip sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known by the by as 4020. Joining me at the breakdown, all the action out of Magic Round in a, a bit of a thrilling loss, I suppose, is my good mate, 60s. Uh, as always, mate, I'll start off asking, how are you? It was, a uh, yeah, one of those games, wasn't it? Mate, it was, and we were just saying before we started recording, well, you said it's one of those games where I've got some uh, mixed, yeah, mixed emotions, exactly. mixed reactions, and I'm I'm on board there. I've got uh, some thoughts uh, about the uh, performance. I've got some thoughts about uh, officiating. Um, I'm going to give a bit of credit to the opposition as well. Yeah, where's this play? Uh, uh, look, I, I, I've had plenty of people sending me messages where it's basically well if it's not the end of the world you can you can see it from where we're at um it's it's been a it's been a real mixed bag uh today and um you know we'll we'll approach it with our usual uh attempt to be uh analytical critical and maybe not too emotional in the response yeah i mean i i, I feel not not flat i feel almost like out of body for this one because I think it's a lot of a lot of fans would have washed their hands of the game after that first half. But the Eels obviously launched a, a very spirited fight back, falling just short. And like you mentioned, there was some very uh, contentious officiating in the midst of that uh, second half fight back. But we'll get to that shortly. Let's start with the numbers as we always do, mate. Sydney Roosters running out 31-24 victors in Magic Round, which is round 10 in the NRL Premiership up at Suncorp Stadium on a surprisingly sunny day, given everything we'd seen from Friday and Saturday. Uh, field holding up just enough, although there were a couple of heart-and-mouth moments where players got hit by the turf monster, and Nathan Brown was one of them. Uh, but thankfully, it looked like there were no turf-related injuries, which is a huge plus. For the Roosters, Jared Warrior Hargraves opened the scoring in the third minute, followed by James Tedesco, Sam Walker, and a big Joseph Sawali brace. Uh, Sam Walker going three from five from the try-conversion attempts, also adding a couple of penalty goals, and a field goal, which ended up proving pretty important, I suppose, given it was a seven-point margin. For the Eels, you picked this one, mate, but Desire Papali'i got one, and you also mentioned he might have been a bagging couple this game. He goes on to score two tries for the Eels, followed by Mitchell Moses and Ryan Madison. Mitch perfect off the kicking tee, although he was uh, sort of driving him to the left a bit, and he got one off the posts that went in, thankfully. Uh, no penalty goals or field goals for the Eels. Tom Opachik, Sinbin in the 15th minute. Um, that's an interesting one we, which we might talk about because in the context of the rules, it's just a, such a bizarre situation. Uh, so we'll get to that shortly. But in terms of team stats, Eels ahead on possession, 52 to 48%. Time possession, plus two for the Eels, 30 minutes to 28 minutes for the Roosters. Both teams completing very effectively, 86% for the Roosters, 87 for the Eels. And then attacking stats, very similar, as you might imagine, given that the um, possession and time possession were fairly close. Eels slightly ahead on run meters and post-contact meters. Line breaks even at five apiece. Parramatta breaking a lot more tackles, though, 44 to 33. Average set distance better for the Roosters, and that passes the eye test. Felt like they were controlling a lot of the field position uh, throughout that second half. Both teams of 16 offloads going through to kick the fusel. Neither team having a great day. 50% for the Roosters, 67% for the Eels. Uh, Parramatta at 85.6% effective tackle rate Roosters down a smidge under 84% 
Um, we'll look at missed tackles, Parramatta just 33, to the Roosters 44, both teams 23 ineffective tackles. Then errors, Eels 5 to the Roosters 6, Parramatta conceding 6 penalties to the Roosters 2. Uh, but on the flip side, Roosters giving away 6, no, 8, 6 against uh, to Parramatta's 1. And once again, that's something I want to talk about. Uh, a whole string of 6 against and not a single caution, let alone a, or a Symbian. Uh, with both teams one on report, I think Dill Brown was for us, and I want to say Jared Weir Hargraves for the Roosters early on in the game, uh, and then both teams using the full assortment of interchanges. In terms of player stats, mate, uh, what have we got? Quinton Gufferson going for nearly 200. Uh, we have Madison with another excellent performance off the bench, where he's he's ostensibly the primary lock forward now. Like he's playing off the bench, but he is really our lock forward the way he's playing. Aside uh, from that, Ice had a great game. Most of the outside backs getting up over 100 metres. Both halves going over 100 metres. Dylan 175, Mitch 120. So very good games from both of our uh, playmakers there. But that's about it for the numbers, mate. Let's get into the actual analysis and breakdown. Where do you want to start off this one? Well, I think we have to straight away acknowledge that the start from the Eels was... Uh, we were off the pace. Let, let's Let's be... Uh, straight up about it, we we didn't start with the level of intensity, the level level of physicality yeah, first that we set needed. Was very very flat. And, Roosters just gobbled us up defensively. Yeah, and and look, I, it wasn't like I saw people was were comparing it to uh, the game against the Cowboys. No, it wasn't. It wasn't like that. It was, and and it wasn't like the game against the Tigers. Uh, we were up against a, a strong opposition, and we weren't what we needed to be, but I wouldn't have said that we were awful. I would have just said that we were off the pace physically, you know, just just like enough. You only have to be down on your efforts just a bit to, to you know, maybe pay the price. It just so happened that uh, the Roosters converted the opportunities that they got. And then equally, we probably ended up with just as many opportunities in the first half, and we couldn't ice them. Yeah, there was a couple of big ones, wasn't there? I know that there was a little kick ahead from Bowie Simonson that just didn't take a Parramatta bounce for Isaiah to get what would have been eventually a hat-trick for him, I suppose. Uh, and then a couple of other chances too where I actually liked the patience in the red zone for the most part. It felt like there was yeah. better direction in this game than against, say, the Cowboys where it was just left to right. I did think that Reed probably overplayed his hand at times during that uh, run of possessions. But I like that Mitchell and Dill remained composed. Wow. We were attacking the line as the primary ball carriers when the ball came their way. Uh, so, yeah, I, I didn't mind that whole passage of play. And it clearly took something out of the Roosters because in the second half, they were getting gashed uh, once the Eels got back into the ruck. So that, that was good. But like you said, just in the first half, a few chances didn't go our way. Most of the wounds we mentioned were self-inflicted. You talk about uh, Reg overshooting on Jared Weir Hargraves, creating that opening try. Then you go to, I mean, you don't see it almost ever. But Quentin Gufferson just making a meal of that kick from Sam Walker, which took a nasty little leg break on the final bounce, and he probably didn't account for that. Uh, but on the flip side... In the second half, I thought the Roosters were very lucky for some of their tries. I mean, the first Joseph Suwali try, that was a two-meter forward pass from, uh, I mean, I love him, but Johnny Manu flicked that two meters forwards. And, oh, and it, it's, it, it, look, it's, I've had, I've had images sent to me of, uh, of where the pass was, was flicked before from. Before the 10-meter line, and, and it, yeah. it bounces uh, to Tupanua, wasn't it, that let the ball go through without yeah. touching it. And Tupanua was a good two and a half meters over the line. And, yeah. Just, yeah. Touches uh, right there. Say, 
people will say that the uh, the it was the bounce that that took it forward that the the oh, pass it, itself it, it, was, when it bounced it was two and a half meters forwards and then yeah, it went forwards yeah. off the bounce which is fine we know that the ball yeah. can go backwards bounce forwards and it's not a forward pass that's correct but yeah that was a clear forward pass but the touchies like I said to you in a well texting through this game I just said touchies are actually cosmetic like they they're just there for the spectacle these days they don't do anything yeah and there was a um and uh, now you might be able to put me straight on this does do the touchies keep the same line first half second half or do they do they swap in oh, the in the half that so is that a they're great acting? yeah a great shout i've never actually thought about that whether they change sidelines to run the same way with the teams right um yeah, yeah I mean, or they just maintain the one sideline and it just gets flipped around when the teams change sides. That is interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's it's something that seems like should yeah, know that. If anyone's got any insight into this in the comments, whether they've been involved in uh, officiating or they have someone involved in officiating, that is a, a cool little uh, thing to figure out. Do touchies just patrol the one sideline for first and second half or do they change sides when the teams change sides? Yeah, it's it's strange, but I don't think I've ever paid any attention to that, and, and rightly so. <laughs> I mean, the 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 flag boys and flag girls they don't need any extra attention. I mean, look, they're they're all referees. They should do a far better job than what they do. And the reason that I mentioned this was that if it was the same official then that official also missed a blatant forward pass in the oh, first half. The Roosters were gifted a six again. Yeah, for a ruck infringement. But, yeah, yeah. Where the and, tackle hadn't been completed. And, and the the ball went uh, for the pass. Went to Tupinola, again, I think it was. A couple of metres forward. Yeah, miles forwards. And they ended yeah. up scoring off that, right? Uh, they uh, two tackles later, I think it was, two or three tackles later. Yeah, so, so they, well, that's they what gone, I mean. Like in that it, sequence of play, it led to them scoring eventually. I think that was going to be the fifth tackle when the tackle was executed. Correct, correct yeah. Um, but look, you know, I, I don't want this to seem as if there's any excuses being made for the Eels because let's face it, if the Eels started the game as they should, and and of course this draws my, uh, you know, the 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 fact remains that the headspace is still an issue for the Eels because they didn't turn up with the with the level of intensity that they needed to. And as as we were saying right from the start, the the area where it's sort of like the mixed emotions is the way that the team settled down after that first uh, 20 minutes or so because really the control was all there for the latter part of the first half and then for the majority of the second half, just mm. the, um, you know, as you said, the, a couple of uh, fortunate moments for the Roosters in the second half. Well, I think there was in the first half as well, but <laughs> um, mostly in that, but but in that second half that allowed them to, to keep ahead. Um, yeah, the, um, the penalty against Dylan Brown basically put the match over. Yeah, that, that, that was game over at that point, uh, barring an absolute miracle. And to their credit, I thought the Eels actually, uh, in the past, I feel like we haven't always, when you're playing that two-score uh, chase in like, you know, three or four minutes left, that we haven't always played the right football. But we played some great football in that passage. It was just a bit unlucky. That kick and field from Simonson just couldn't find a target. Dylan couldn't couldn't see Gufferson on his inside. If he scores there, that changes the complexion 
massively. But we played some good football. But yeah, Tupanoa staying down as if he'd been gunshot and he bounces up immediately once the bunker gets involved. You know, we, we all know what it is. There's no, no no point pretending it isn't anything that it isn't. Uh, yeah. Played play for the penalty there. Tucked the, and it's one of those ones where Dylan's going to make contact on his sternum pretty much. And he tucks his head into the, the arm and there's one one flash of a frame between the uprights that the bunker had to confirm it. And it's, it's just, it's tough. It, it, it's just tough. You know, we what, was, just just based on that, what do you reckon the outcome's going to be? Is there going to be a suspension or is there going to be a fine? He'll, he'll get, he'll get at, at minimum a grade one, probably a grade two knowing our luck. Because that'd I'll be, argue a contact was forceful. I think I would lose the plot if that if that resulted in a uh, in any sort of suspension, given what we've seen in evidence this year, where they talk about, um, uh, well, especially with the uh, Nelson and Sofa Solomona, where they said that the that um, uh, Makahesi Makatoa fell into the tackle. That was the that was the ridiculous part of that, mm-hmm. uh, where that was just a, a fine. Um, so anyway, I guess we'll we'll soon see what the um, what that's going to be from the match review committee. Uh, and for those listening at the moment, you might be able to hear that the um, the pet birds have decided the they're going to run through their yeah. whistling repertoire in the background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so at least they're in a good mood tonight. Birds are birds. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's let's go through more of this game because. I suppose the silver lining here is we talked about the self-inflicted wounds in the first half. On the flip side, historically, this is a game where we've seen the Roosters, they get given an inch by our team, they'll go on and put 40 or 50 on, especially when they have that sort of running in the first half. The team rallied. They, they let in that early try in the second half, and you could you would have been mistaken for forgiven or forgiven for thinking, oh, you know, we're out of this. But they launched that huge fight back. They, For me, what was encouraging is that Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses didn't go away from what they know works for them. Even with the big deficit to eat into, Dylan kept running and, and testing that uh, sliding defense of the Roosters and was just carrying guys through. Mitch went into his full repertoire of tricks. He was running well. He was kicking great. He was passing beautifully to ice. And that that shows that even when they're in a big hole, they they can get their way out of it, even against a team like the Roosters who are back to playing vintage Sydney Roosters footy. Yeah. You, so you've got uh, Dylan Brown, 175 running meters including 66 post contact you've got mitch moses with 119 running meters and yet his and and you might look at that and go well he's run the ball a lot and he's not done as much game management but i thought his game management was was really really good again we were and i'm going to come keep coming back to this we were punished for just being a bit off the pace today in that first half and, um, you know, I, again, I can't find any excuses for being off the pace in the first half because it was spoken about. It was mm-hmm. spoken about how we needed to approach this game. And it's not even uh, like we were, we were just off the ball because it's two weeks out from Darwin. That's sometimes been the, tr- the problem game for us is not the first game after Darwin, but two weeks out because we saw in the second half they had the juice in the tank. They played tremendous football in the second half. Yeah, so it's funny that you say that because that was one of my first thoughts in the first half was that we are being um, we we are feeling the effects of that Darwin game and then because a big game against Penrith. It, 
yeah, yeah. Um, now, it's it's still interesting. Again, I can't find any excuses for that. But funnily enough, as we went into that into the game today, I have to admit that I was a little bit plateaued in my um, reaction to the game. I I wasn't as a supporter with the game being up in Brisbane against the Roosters. I don't know. There was a, there was a part of me that, as a supporter, I wasn't as up for the game as I felt that I should be. The the players can't afford to be that way, and and the way they fought back in the second half, you'd have to say no. That you know that wasn't the case. But you just wonder what what is it that where they they weren't quite as switched on as they were in the in the Panthers game in that first half. Well, I, two, I don't know. But two players that. When I'm looking at this stat sheet, once again, we do stress that you can't extrapolate everything from just the numbers. You need to look at the eye, the eye test as well. But off the numbers, at least, two players that had down games massively by their margins were Junior Barlow and uh, Reagan Campbell-Gillard, both uh, well under 100 metres. I think, uh, well, not well, Reg was 94 and June's 72. And yeah, but have a, look at the, have a look at their minutes yeah, this week. Yeah, exactly. Their minutes, uh, hang on, we'll just go over here. Yeah, minutes well down. We're usually you know, used to seeing them playing 50-plus, and for Reg, 38, and for June's 44. Uh, but, yeah, just seeing them, like, not even not just below 100, but below 150, it's a bit surprising given what we're so used to, but maybe that was a bit of load management. And and I will say this. I think that was Oregon Kafusi's best game this year probably. I think he was his best number of quality involvements, and I thought Macca was very good too. And obviously Ryan Madison, outstanding. Um, he, he continues to just spearhead the the bench rotation and when we in if or i suppose if or when we get Murata back geez it's going to be fearsome oh yeah and you'd suggest that that's not too far down the track that Murata would be back I, I mean my my estimate would be about a week or two but you look at Maddo's numbers again today and he's got 172 running meters 51 uh post contact uh, 11 tackle breaks yeah. counted. 11 tackle breaks. A line break. And a couple two offloads. offloads. Yeah. 33 tackles. I mean, it's it's just... That's just a phenomenal performance. And that is in 55 minutes. You, you, I mean, it is just... Uh, he's, in, he's in rare form. He's in the best form that he's ever uh, produced... In Parramatta colours, arguably career best form too. Like the, it's not just the numbers. If just watching his impact on the field, he is like he's the best forward on the park on both teams when he's he's on the field. Yeah, it, look, I, I think Ice challenged him again. True, today. True. Ice, uh, Ice had an outstanding game. Yes, uh, he's he's got one hundred and seventy-two uh, running meters across the 80, 80 minutes. He's got um, uh, three tackle breaks, but he's also got those. Those two tries, and he was causing all sorts of menace for uh, the Roosters' left he walked, side. He, he worked over Walker brilliantly, and while it didn't make the inroads in the first half, it clearly paid out in the second. And it was that coming back to Dylan and Moses, I was saying it was that commitment to the the attacking plan that was like it was positive to see for me. You know, things went astray because of mistakes but they still stuck to what the script said they needed to do because it was a working it, it, it was working sorry like it just it took time to pay off and they got big payoffs in the second half and just couldn't quite bring it in 
Yeah, if you were to take out that uh, period of time in, in that first 25 minutes or so of the game, um, it would have been a performance that I would have been ex- exceptionally happy yeah, with yeah, it was from Parramatta. 50, 60 minutes or 50-ish minutes of really, really quality football. Unfortunately, we just dug ourselves in too big of a hole to just fall short out of uh, climbing our way out of. But I do want to credit some of the Roosters. I mean, Joey Manu and Joseph Suwali just were both phenomenal. Um, the Roosters did a great job of spotting up Suwali against Hayes Perham, who unfortunately his lack of experience on the wing got exposed a bit again today. Um, that particularly when he sort of set up Suwali for the perfectly for the AFL specky, he turned his back and, and sort of let Suwali uh, get the plant points off his shoulder for that try. It happens, you know, it's just we're, we're short on troops in that wing. I'm going to get him back soon. You know, that's going to be a big difference. But, yeah, those those two players are fantastic. Paul Momorowski has been a bit flat this year. He roared to life in the back line for the Roosters and had a good game up against Will Penasini. So, you know, the Roosters play good football. It happens. They're a good team. Well, at, at halftime, I, I tweeted a quick observation, which was that, again, that we were, we were a bit off the pace. We weren't converting our opportunities. But the uh, Roosters had uh, produced their um, some of their best football of the season thus far. I think basically what it came down to with the the way that they played was in attack they were playing some heads up football. They were playing what was in front of them, and those kicks prove you know those kicks for tries proved that they were playing what was in front of them. Um, they had a bit more defensive commitment than they'd had in recent times. Although uh, you'd have to say that we. Um, I don't think that we failed to, to ask the questions. Um, I thought we had good patience in that first half. The, probably the, the main criticism I had of our attack in that first half was the option that Reed Marnie took when he kicked on the second oh, tackle. That that was brutal. That you could you could feel the momentum in the game just like like air out of balloon, right? Just like completely flipped there. Um, he just went. He, you know, I don't mind an early kick in like that if there's someone that knows it's coming, but he just went with no one having an idea it was coming. Roosters get the ball back, and then I think we give away a penalty or something like that, and they go downfield. Just to, yeah, I mean, the, the big question when that happened was why? Why did you just do that? Like, it just it made no sense, and I know we encourage, uh, we, we like seeing players trying to see something that's in front of them, playing what's in front of them. I don't know what was seen there. Like, honestly, I, I, I don't, because as you said, no one else knew it was coming and it wasn't executed particularly well, which is basically why he ended up with the um, the, the seven-tackle set. So, you know, you just you just think, what, why would you blow um, good field territory and possession at that moment so that that was that was probably the the one instance where i thought that we we were poor in in what we did and apart from that as i said we weren't quite on the pace with our execution and that's why you ended up with a couple of moments where um tries probably that might have been scored in other weeks just weren't able to be converted this this particular week so oh look yeah very disappointing that we can't couldn't back up a, a terrific win against the panthers with uh being able to go back to back by uh defeating the roosters but um you know i'm i'm not going to lose sleep about it but by the same token 
I don't like racking up matches that I'm not going to lose sleep over. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> those, those sorts of um, a, a game where it was within our power to win the game if we play at our best and we didn't. And it, you just don't get, as BA said the other week, you just don't get the top teams doing that. I mean, take it, take away like what happened for the storm last night. Cause that's only their second loss of the season. And they beat, and they were beaten by the Panthers and they were beaten uh, without some significant players in their team. Uh, to, and, and you can bet that, that Bellamy's going to be very, very upset with the performance that was put in, even allowing for those players being out. But you just don't see those teams turn up against um, some of the teams that we've turned up against this year where we haven't got the points um, and we could have got the job done and should have got the job done. So that's probably the only downside is I think we're leaving we're leaving too many premiership points mm-hmm. behind this year instead of getting them. And I hope that that doesn't... Uh, come home to cause a problem for us uh, by the end of the season. No, I agree. I mean, so much has been said about consistency and trying to find that consistency. And I don't think today was a step towards that, even though the sec- that, that sort of two-thirds of the game was quite good because that first part was just so flat. And that, that is a big part. You've got to start game strongly and you've got to finish game strongly. And I know that there's 80 minutes and it's a lot of football to play, but you know, just the the hole we put ourselves in due to self inflicted errors, it, the Roosters took advantage of it, and same thing will happen for the Panthers and the Melbourne Storm. You know, you you can't get away with that sort of spotting of points for the opposition, and and the fact that it's some of our core players making the mistakes is brutal as well. You know, we talked about Reed's kick, we talked about Guffo dropping the ball, um, and and to be fair, the Sam Walker try where Guffo was in the line, or down a man, keep out, uh, Walker, you know, just did a good kick, I suppose. That, yeah, it was frustrating. I can understand that, but yeah, you just that sort of polish needs to be put on the team sooner rather than later, like or as early yeah. as next week, really. And, and and really, what what happened in that in that opportunity again with the um, with the try that um, that was done with the chip chase? That was that was again a moment of the Roosters playing what was in front of them because. Um, in that very moment, you saw that Ice had been trapped on the ground and was hustling to get back. Gutherson, in the fullback position, raced forward into the line to fill the hole that yeah. was there mm-hmm. from Ice. And in that moment, yeah, you had um, who was it? Um, was it Kiri or was it um, uh, Walker that chipped Walker ahead? Chipped, there? Walker chipped ahead. Walker, yeah, yeah. So in that moment, you know, when Walker chipped ahead. That's just good eyes up football of seeing here's the opportunity. He knew what he was going to do as soon as he saw Clint Gutherson hustle up to fill the space in the line. And that would, you know, the, you just have to pay credit to that level of football intelligence that's happened there. Yep, pretty much it, mate. And, you know, between that and then just some bad luck, like Dill not seeing Gufferson on the inside in the 77th minute or whatever it was, you know, they're, they're the moments you need to take on both sides of the ball uh, in order to beat good teams. And the Roosters were a good team today. That was yeah. that was prime Sydney Roosters. They played really well. All their stars stood up. And it's no surprise that they were able to score that many points. I mean, 
I mentioned earlier, but Manu and Swali are just ridiculous. And, you know, they're just phenomenal outside backs, and we got to see that firsthand, unfortunately, today. Well, that's why I was absolutely busting for the Eels to go all in and uh, chase Joseph Manu. Not that there was ever going to be any chance. A real of chance of prying out on the Roosters, he, but, yeah, he, he is an absolute superstar. Just a, one of the most naturally talented outside backs in the competition and can play one through six uh, with a plum in any given spot. Yeah, so uh, let's go with a uh, with our Eels three two one mm-hmm. for today, mate. Uh, I'm I'm going to go Moses for the three. Yeah, a couple of really good players here that could be in contention. We already mentioned a couple of really good forwards in Ice and Matto, both of whom were outstanding. Equally, the halves were very good in Dill and Moses. Man, um, you know, I mean, watching Moses run like that and then just the genius for that try he scored. Makes it real hard not to give him top billing. Uh, yeah, I'll probably give it to Mitch too, I suppose. Yeah. Um, then I come down to the choice between Ice and Matto. And uh, I'm I'm probably, be, by virtue of the fact that it was 80 minutes, I'm going for Ice for the two and Matto for the one. But if I could um, split it as one and a half points each, I would easily do that as well because I thought uh, both were outstanding today, and each of them has been in a uh, a rich rich vein of form. So I'll I'll flip my vote so Matter gets my two and Ice my one. Honorable mention to Dill, and just trying to think if anyone else deserves a shout out. I mean, in the end, Guffo had a good game, but just that error was brutal. Likewise for Dill missing Guffo in the seventy seventh minute, that that just hurts, right? Uh, but, uh, yeah, very good performances from all players mentioned. One thing I do want to talk about before we go is I hate Flying Fox Cam. I don't mind using it for, like, you know, sort of cinematic wide shots, but I do not want an entire set played through Fox Cam. Like when Dill oh, made that line break, you've yeah. got no depth perception because everything's from a weird angle behind. Just terrible. Yeah, a- absolutely. And uh, I'm going to say as well that... You know how I've felt about the six again rule from its inception. Well, the Roosters, and, Roosters are playing for whistle fatigue. That was clear. They just gave it away, gave it away, gave it away, and there was no caution, there was no symbion, and it just G lost control of the game in that regard. And I mean, we, we see the best teams consistently do it, right? They'll just lean on referees, forcing them into a mistake or just whistle fatigue, you know, just getting tired of blowing the whistle and, and calling teams out, and it worked. Look, it's uh, an absolute bludger of a rule. It was a bludger of the rule when it was introduced. I don't care about the people that talk about the advantage of the rule. I think it's a it's a rule which has literally it is so flawed that it allows teams to manipulate what happens out there on the field. Let's face it; it, it, it would have been a, what if it was in that scenario where we get uh, – we're one point behind and the Roosters just keep giving away offside six against mm-hmm. towards the end. Like, Well, they, and, we were on the attack and they deliberately gave away six again over halfway and it was just a six again and not a Symbian when it was clearly a professional foul to stop a fast play of the ball. So it's just uh, – just get rid of it, honestly. Just penalise and Symbian if you need to. Yeah, and, and I'm glad that you brought that up because – 
there are so many scenarios where a player has made a bit of a break. They've been tackled by, uh, you know, around the legs. And I'm all for the tackles that are around the legs being given a little bit of extra latitude in terms of um, that being dominant. But uh, all that aside, there are many instances where a team has made a bit of a break, legs tackle, uh, the player who's made the tackle hangs on to the legs for a little bit longer just to make sure that they don't uh, get that fast, play the ball and can break away. In that very instance, as you said, that's exactly what Moses and was trying speaking, to do. He'd made the half yeah, break. It, it is a miracle, like a miracle that we had our challenge up uh, earlier as well when Moses clearly was interfered with as he tried to play the ball. Uh, if we didn't have it, that's just that we just lose the ball. And and G, yeah, that's, that that was a blatant penalty, like and G looks at it and says, "No, he lost the ball." Like, yeah. I mean, that's not quite as bad as Kikau dropping a cold last week, but it's it's right up there. Like that is as blatant a ruck penalty as you're going to see. And somehow the referee wasn't paying attention properly and says, "No, nah, he lost the ball without getting to his feet properly." I look, I don't, I I, I don't really want to talk too much about officiating over this particular round. But gee, there's been some ordinary officiating out there. We just have to, we have to call some of the mistakes that have been made. I, I'm, I'm dumbfounded in that uh, Panthers Storm game where the ball was dropped by Luai on the kickoff, mm. like blatantly knocked on, mm-hmm. and it was allowed to go. It was almost like um, he pulled out the kickout card. <laughs> you know, let's, one, one let's, free knock on a game. <laughs> one free knock on a game, because because I can't see how those ones are missed. I I just can't see how they're missed. And I I, I noticed that we didn't get uh, there's there's often uh, a camera angle that's side on that you're able to see with the with the play, and, and that we didn't get to see one with that particular pass that was allowed to Suwali for the uh, that Roosters try. But that would have made for some interesting side-on viewing because I've had no shortage of text messages which have come to me from people who were at the game and uh, they weren't terribly impressed with that call and were saying that they were in a, a good position to, to watch that. So, But again, uh, I don't want to make too... I don't want it to seem like their excuses because, as I said... I just think the officiating has been below standard right across the the weekend. So, uh, really, really disappointing. And as we just touched on, I think that the errors that were made today were significant. They weren't the reason that we lost, but they could have been. It's just frustrating that they continue to pop up. Like last week, it cost the Eels four points before half time. This week, it could have been a. I mean, we obviously lost, but it was at a pivotal moment in the game. We're fighting back. Moses loses the ball, or quote unquote loses the ball, and you know it, it's called a knock on when it's clearly a penalty. Plus, all the other stuff we were complaining about before as well, where you know it did play a factor. Roosters obviously scored a try off a forward pass. That happens, you know, whatever. Um, and but the other the other tries were mostly Parramatta's self inflicted wounds. So that's where the buck really sort of stops. Is yeah, the referees were a factor. Yes, it was frustrating for Dylan Brown to copper a. a Penalty for Tupanua ducking his head into a tackle across the sternum. It, that that's happened. I mean, technically, you know, it, it's a correct penalty. It happens. Uh, 
you just got to not spot the Sydney Roosters, you know, 14 or 16 points. That's what it really is. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and there's absolutely nothing that's gained by uh, the Eels coaching staff in the video session, looking at errors made by refs, they wouldn't waste. No, exactly. They wouldn't, they wouldn't waste. A I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure they, they cut it up and sent it to the NRL as part of the official process for complaining. But in terms of like what you're teaching to the team, there's nothing to be gained by saying, "Yeah, you know, the ref screwed us there." You, you just need to be better in other things and be better than the referee handicap. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And look, so, and speaking of the coaching. I thought we actually had a good game plan this week. We just didn't execute well through the first half consistently, once again, spotting those points. It, it, that's now, what, three great game plans against the three, or I suppose the Roosters weren't great a great team up until this point, but they're clearly trending upwards. But yeah, against the the Storm, the Panthers, and, and the Roosters, we had good game plans, which is good to see. It's just a matter of executing them properly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the takeout of today... Uh, as as we've really been covering all the way through, it's a real mixed bag. There's there's things to be disappointed in. Uh, there's there's things to find a bit of heart about, uh, either in terms of uh, team performance or individual performance. Um, there's probably some decisions that the coaching staff are going to have to make about team selections as players become available, and that, and they will be um, critical calls that they'll have to make. Um, Knock on wood, Dylan doesn't face any time on the sideline because that would be ridiculous. But knowing our luck, and uh, we look at look ahead at taking on the Sea Eagles at Bank uh, at Combank Stadium, mm-hmm. and we know there is no way they're going to turn up and put in the sort of performance that they yeah they had a shocker did. last start up against the Brisbane Broncos, right? Yeah, that they're, they're not going to produce that sort of performance two weeks in a row. So um, a quick turnaround. Friday night football this week. So uh, we'll be in action there at Paramount Leagues Club after the game. So please be sure to pop up to Jack's Bar and Grill post-match. Come up, say good day. Uh, joining us celebrating an Eels victory because I'm sure that's exactly what will be happening after the game on Friday night. Come up, have a beer, have a soft drink, whatever you like. Um, grab something to eat and have a listen to us talk about the game with uh, an Eels legend who's yet uh, we're yet to confirm, but we will confirm through the week on social media. So, uh, mate, uh, I think that's probably a, yeah, a good probably point. Yeah, good place to wrap it all up, as always. Thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen. Sucks that we couldn't quite get the two points here after that slow start, but I am encouraged by what we saw in that fight back, falling just a tad short. We'll get him next time, I'm sure, but on to Manly next week. And like 60 said, we hope to see you out at the Leagues Club. Uh, to catch all that post-game action in round 11. Yeah, go the Eels.